Within the next two decades, one in every five Americans will be over the age of 65. Physicians face unique challenges while treating elderly patients who often suffer from multiple chronic diseases, lower health literacy rates, and difficulty paying for their care on a fixed income. There needs to be a proper emphasis on, on geriatrics and training. That's Dr. Paul H. Wick. Dr. Wick is the immediate past chair of the AMA Senior Physicians Section. He recently served as the medical director for the University of Texas Health Northeast Senior Behavioral Health Outpatient Counseling Center. On this episode of Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association, Dr. Wick discusses health issues and disparities unique to elderly populations. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. This episode of Moving Medicine is one of three parts about improving health outcomes for vulnerable patient populations. The speech was presented at the 2018 AMA Annual Meeting in Chicago. Here's Dr. Paul H. Wick. The, the poet uh, Robert Browning wrote this, scrolled along with me, the best is yet to be, the last of life for which the first was made. That's ideal, but unfortunately there's a segment of, of the elderly that because of some disparities and some problems, uh, that it, it's not, not a good situation. We have a growing population of older adults. One in seven Americans currently are 65 years and above. And in another 15 to 20 years, it will be one in five Americans are 65 and above. We have an aging population. Currently, there are 46 million people that are 65 and above. That will grow to 73 million in the next 15 years and will double to about 90 million uh, in 30 years. And it also accounts, the care of these uh, 65 and above accounts for about two-thirds of the U.S. health care budget. We have a baby boomer population that's growing. Uh, you know, they're currently uh, those that are 54 to 72 <clears throat> are, are coming on. And uh, those uh, will add to the population of, of the older adults. It's said that uh, this population accounts for about 27% of doctor visits and 35% of hospital stays. <clears throat> there, there are challenges to care for the, the elderly population and to promote good health. This, this is in spite of universal coverage for <clears throat> Medicare people. And older adults are not isolated from other <clears throat> health disparities. Two-thirds have two or more chronic medical conditions. And so, you know, that, that leads to the cost of care and the cost of treatment. Some elderly on fixed income uh, cannot, cannot afford the care, and so therefore they cut back, unfortunately, and have adverse uh, health consequences of that. <clears throat> the, the, their chronic disease may cause uh, negative health consequences in mobility and activities daily living. And we know that the number with dementia will continue to, to rise with, with the population so what, what are health care 
disparities that affect the elderly. Well, to, to list these, <clears throat> one are the issues that the ethnic and racial minorities uh, may have. Then there's the social factors, the economic problems, uh, educational problems, <clears throat> and even geography. The LGBTQ community, uh, when elderly, uh, have their special problems. Healthcare literacy <clears throat> and communication is also a, a problem and a factor. Ageism, the concept of ageism. Mental health issues uh, and cognitive issues affecting the elderly, and we'll go into these uh, each. The National Institute of Health uh, defined health disparities as the difference in the incidence, prevalence, mortality, and burden of disease and other adverse health conditions that exist among specific population groups in the U.S. The, the term health inequalities more often refers to those socioeconomic differences. But for, you know, for the purpose of my talk, these all run together, you know, regardless of your, your culture, your, your ethnic uh, status, the, all of these other factors, uh, the, the socioeconomic factors, uh, the, the literacy, communication, they, they all sort of blend together. So it, it's, it's often hard uh, to, to say that it's, it's all due to just to one factor. So we, we have an increasingly diverse ethnic and racial uh, minority population, and this, this will grow in America. And uh, minority elders are expected to account for some 50% of elderly in the next 25 to 30 years. And they, they may suffer a disproportionate burden of illness and early death, may have greater rates of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And so this affects their, their health, but also their family that may be disadvantaged by this and also the community that they live in by, by the, the lack of uh, improvement in their health status. They may have different attitudes about health care. They may, they may come from a culture that has certain taboos and attitudes about uh, about what is disease, what causes disease, what what is the treatment, uh, you know, what what are the providers? Uh, the these uh, the Robert Wood uh, Johnson Foundation uh, states that this these disparities uh, in healthcare are said to cost six billion dollars per year. So the the socioeconomic factors that. Uh, Studies have, have confirmed that lower educational and lower economic status adversely affects one's health. Uh, conversely, higher education and higher family income more likely is associated with being healthy. Older, non-Hispanic white adults are more likely to report being healthy. Where you live affects your health. In, in, my, in my area, which is a smaller metropolitan area, if you go to each of the surrounding counties, the, the longevity on average drops 10 years. So, so you know, where, where you live, and, and it's, 
it may be affected a lot more in certain uh, certain communities. The older LGBT community have higher levels of illness, disability, and premature death. About 50% report a disability, and a third report depression. Uh, more than 20% do not disclose their sexual or gender identity to, to their physician. So you know, health literacy and communication matters a lot. You know, this is defined as the capacity to obtain, process, understand basic health information and services and make decisions accordingly uh, based on that. The, those that are 65 and above have a, a smallest percentage of health literacy skills. Baby boomers are more likely to be tech savvy and ask questions, but there there are really different attitudes uh, in about uh, health care. You know, we can predict that with with less health knowledge, there's going to be less management of one's illness by the person and therefore a worse outcome. So we, we want to understand, does, does our elderly patient really understand us? You know, does, are we communicating with them? Uh, you know, there, there may be problems uh, with the elderly and hearing. You know, they, they may not respond, they may nod, uh, but, but they, they really may not uh, hear or understand that. You know, there's some vision problems uh, there. They, you know, we have to be aware of the cognitive problems. You know, with age, uh, there, there can be some cognitive problems which may be mild to, to more severe, impairing their, their understanding of what we, what we recommend. The, the, then the, the other thing is uh, to avoid elder speak unless it's necessary. Elder speak is where you speak very slowly but very loudly uh, to, to a to a person, and and you know that uh, unfortunately this may occur. You know, you may be speaking to a 90-year-old retired professor that's got it. You know, is is very clear about things. So you know, we want to we want to judge our 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 patient. Uh, you know, and speak accordingly to them so that they can understand, but also you know be aware and test their understanding of of what we're what we're trying to recommend to them. Sometimes we want to involve a, a family, friend, caretaker, interpreter, so that uh, we, we can communicate and can have an understanding and, and so that they, they may process and have an understanding ab about uh, what, what our findings and recommendations may be. Then the, the concept of, of ageism which is uh, systematic stereotyping and discrimination of people because they're old. It refers to bias, prejudice, devaluation, negative attitudes, uh, you know, that, uh, well, you know, we, we may 
write off some complaint, well, that's just old age or, you know, or depression. Depression occurs, you know. Old age is depressing, you know. Get over it. Live with it. And uh, so that we can, uh, can go on. So, you know, the, the problem in, in this is that intent affects the outcome. You know, how, how, we, how we perceive things, how, how we, uh, what our, our personal attitude about old age may affect how we treat the, the folks and how we deal with them. So we, we want to be able to distinguish what's normal aging from what is disease. Uh, there's a great variation in, in the health and functional ability at, when you meet those milestones 70, 80, and 90. You know, there's, there's a great deal of difference. You know, I, I think we may see some that, you know, they retire at 60 or 65 and they, they kind of give up. They say, I, I'm, I'm old, I, I give up, you know, I, I'm going to go. To the to the chair and then the wheelchair and and so we're that's not necessarily so. Sometimes they they need a little education and, and prompting by their physician or by others. Then uh, you know those with more positive lifestyles uh, and attitudes toward aging are more likely to lead a healthy lifestyle. They you know they may golf tennis. Play bridge, you know. They, they may be very active uh, in in taking care of themselves. In in the healthcare system, uh, you know, there needs to be a proper emphasis on on geriatrics and training. Uh, medical school gets gets pretty busy with everything, but you know, geriatrics is important. There's manpower issues. Uh, you know, to, to take care of this aging population, you know, sometimes uh, finding a, a doctor is, is not the easiest thing for an elderly patient. You know, some, sometimes because of the economics, uh, some physicians limit their, their Medicare practice or some even opt out. I, you know, I, I have to get into a Medicare slot when I, when I see my internist. You know, he sees me, but, but he's not taking very many more. So, so there's a need for clinical practice guidelines in the elderly with chronic diseases. You know, that the, the elderly metabolize things differently. They react to tests and procedures differently. So, so uh, some, some guidelines for us to go by. Then there's the mental health issues uh, in older adults. Twenty percent experience some mental health concerns that may commonly be anxiety, depression, cognitive effects. The older men have the highest suicide rate of any group, and, and depression affects the, the outcome uh, and course of, of treating other chronic diseases. But, you know, they're... There is uh, new data that with healthy lifestyle, you know, the brain can adapt and we, people can live a ha happier and healthier lifestyle. So, uh, you know, to review strategies to improve, you know, that with 80% of, of folks seeing their primary care doc, uh, at least annually, this, this is an opportunity to, to promote well-being of that. We can review test procedures for the, the risk and benefit of that. We want to educate about adverse 
medical effects, you know, those anticholinergic drugs, the, you know, the benzodiazepines, the, you know, the things that may adversely affect uh, treatment. Uh, understand normal aging as opposed to disease. And appreciate, uh, you know, there's, there's a great deal of heterogeneity of the older adults. We want to communicate with them and if communication is difficult to use a caretaker or a family member to address ageism, uh, attitudes, and to be advocates for healthy living. Uh, so, you know, these health inequalities not only affect individuals or specific populations, but also impact the overall health status and health care costs affecting our nations. That was Dr. Paul H. Wick, immediate past chair of the AMA Senior Physician Section. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Be sure to check out the other episodes in this three-part series about improving health outcomes for vulnerable patient populations. To attend live presentations like Dr. Wick's, visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine to become an AMA member and register for our annual meetings. You can also subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts on iTunes or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.